Welcome to the IT Career Energizer podcast. For anyone who wants to build and grow a career in IT, develop and improve your strengths and skills, be inspired and motivated by the successes of others, manage your career progression, and achieve your IT career goals. And now, your host, Phil Burgess. Welcome to episode 103 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Trisha G. Trisha is a developer advocate at JetBrains, where she gets to share all the interesting things she's constantly discovering. Trisha has developed Java applications for a range of industries and for companies of all sizes. Trisha has expertise in Java high-performance systems, is passionate about enabling developer productivity, and dabbles with open source development. So Tricia, can you expand on that brief introduction and tell us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, I guess the intro is is to say that I'm interested in everything. (laughs) I've been a developer for about 20 years, which is quite terrifying. (laughs) Um, But um, I was always interested in keeping a broad range of experience rather than necessarily going down one path and becoming too, too deep. Hence, you know, the experience in different different industries, a bit of open source. I'm now a developer advocate, which um, not everyone, especially when you're first coming out of perhaps a computer science degree, you might not be aware of what a developer advocate is. And what we do is generally, it depends a bit on the company, the role changes, but a lot of it is about talking directly to developers about products or languages or frameworks or something that useful that developers use and sort of helping them get to grips with that thing and figure out how to use it better, which I really like because you have to be technical because it's usually about code. It's usually about a technical thing, but it's also a wider range of skills. You have to be able to teach. You have to be able to present. You have to be able to write. And I love that. It's something that's obviously becoming more in vogue. It's, I've spoken to a couple of people who are uh, developer advocates of their companies, but it's not something I really necessarily come across day to day. Interestingly, I'm seeing more of the enterprises start having a developer advocate role, which I thought was really an unusual step. But of course, enterprises, particularly people like the big banks and stuff, they have APIs that talk to other external companies too. And we're talking about, again, a technical product, which has to be described and explained to other developers. And traditionally, there was not really any way of doing that other than sort of official documentation. As most people know, official documentation is difficult to read (laughs) and not necessarily pitched at the way developers think. So that's kind of what the developer advocate does, tries to fill this role of helping developers talk to developers, really. And so even enterprises are starting to hire them, which is a really interesting step. So yeah, communication obviously being central to the role then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Trisha, can you maybe share a unique career tip with the IT career energizer audience, one they possibly don't know and should? My main career advice is don't just focus on the technical skills because that stuff is relatively easy and straightforward to learn. You really do have to focus on these other skills that we've just been touching upon, some of the communication skills, not just for developer advocates, but if you are able to write coherently in an email or on Slack, if you're able to ask customers or users sensible questions, if you're able to listen to answers and listen to concerns from your users, it will make you a better developer. And there's just really not enough focus put on that when we talk about uh, skills a developer needs. We talk about good communication skills, but we don't really talk about what that means. 
Yeah, that's very true. I think there's a wide range of potential skills that you need to actually sort of begin to master um, to make yourself effective in those sorts of roles. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do want to progress in any way, really, but particularly if you want to become an architect or lead, then these communication skills become even more important. Yes, very much so. Yeah. So Tricia, can you maybe tell us about your worst IT career moment and what you learned from that experience? Absolutely. My worst career moment was typing RM minus RF in the wrong directory. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. A lot of people have done this. (laughs) Not everyone's done it in production. (laughs) Ah, yes. Yeah, I was looking after, well, it's it's kind of, we called it production, but basically it was production-like test data in a production-like test environment. This is for a bank. And the testers were using that environment and we had eight different environments. We had sort of like a top level directory and we had four environments in in one subdirectory and four in another. And I thought I was down in like directory six, but I wasn't. I was in down in directories uh, five, six, seven, and eight. And I, I trashed four production environments <laughs> oh in <dear>. one go. <laughs> right. This is just before Christmas lunch as well. Oh. So did you miss out? Yeah, I turned up very late to Christmas lunch as I drastically tried to restore these folders and of course we did have backups and stuff and they are test environments so that they can be restored from a particular point but they are test environments and the testers were in the middle of testing these environments so they were not in a consistent state so i i had to restore them back to zero and just tell the testers um you're gonna have to do that again yeah so so I suppose, yeah that's a consequence isn't it although it maybe didn't take you too long to correct it there's the actual yeah. loss of time and the fact they probably had to restart what they were doing, which is, yeah, unfortunate. Exactly. But. In some ways, it was kind of good because the testers are following a, a, a set of things they want to test and I could restore it back to a known point. So it wasn't completely a, a complete disaster. It could have been a lot worse, but um, it was by far the worst thing I've ever done in my professional career. And the thing I learned from that is uh, you have to own your mistakes. I was lucky because... That wasn't one of the favorite places I worked, but it was um, once I came clear straight away, this is what's happened and this is what I'm going to do to fix it. They were everyone, the testers and my boss and everyone was like, okay, just get on with that then. (laughs) And they, uh, you know, there was no telling me off. There was no punishment because fixing your own problem is punishment enough, frankly. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) I would agree with that. Definitely. Okay, so moving away from your worst moment, can you maybe tell us about your IT career highlight or greatest success? I think for me, I mean, obviously there's loads of different things, but the thing that stands out for me at the moment where I am career-wise is the sort of transition from developer to developer advocate. There are a number of little things that built up to that moment, but um Basically, at the time, I was interested in presenting at conferences. I was already blogging. So I was kind of interested in having a role where I could really use some of these communication skills a bit more than just just within my team. So I really wanted to have a bigger impact. But I didn't really know how to go about it. And I was kind of doing blogs and stuff. But I was lucky enough to have encountered a number of very supportive, more senior people in user groups, in places where I'd worked. And I was very lucky to meet Martin Fowler, when I was working for ThoughtWorks and I met him in person and I said something about speaking at conferences thinking like, this is just not what people like me do. <laughs> and he said, cause I was complaining, actually, I'll be honest. I was complaining that there aren't enough women conference speakers. And he said, well, you're someone who can do something about that. And I yes. was like, what? 
Yeah. And he said, well, you're a woman and you seem articulate. I mean, he didn't know me really. I, I was just working at ThoughtWorks. <laughs> I was no one, you know. You seem articulate. You can speak at conferences. And I honestly, although I sort of had that in my long-term goals, he was sort of saying, do it now. And I, I didn't think that people like me could just do that. But I had that in my head. I was like, oh, okay, so you're saying I'm ready now. And he's like, yes, this is down to you. This is something you can do to change the industry. And about nine months later, my boss, uh, who is another Martin, was presenting at Java One. And I happened to be at Java One as well. And he said, why don't you co-present with me? And I was like, well, that sounds really terrifying. <laughs> I should probably do that. So I had in my head, you know, Martin Fowler said, you can do this. Martin Thompson, who was my CTO, said, co-present with me. So he's, he's like two levels more senior than me. He thinks I'm ready to present. And he basically sticks me on stage at Java One. And that, and that basically the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. How much practice did you have to do before you stood up on stage for the first time? I had done a lightning talk at the London Java user group that year. So I'd kind of done a little bit of practice in terms of that. In terms of that specific talk, I'd seen Martin give it before. I knew the material because I'd been blogging about it. And I was really trying to practice it a lot over the course of Java 1 itself. But the, um, I kept wanting to sit down with Martin, but he's like, no, you'll be fine. Don't worry about it. So he sort of didn't <laughs> let me practice. Oh. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't run through it with him. I just kind of, in terms of, we didn't do a, a stand up dry run type practice, which is what I would recommend all speakers to. Yes. Um, but we did go through the slides. We went through the content and I watched an earlier version of that talk. So I knew what was coming up, but that's not the way I like to practice my talks. So now I tend to practice my talks several times before I give them. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're going to move on a little bit now. So what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT? What's interesting about IT is, is how broad it is and obviously how many different sectors it touches, how many different things you can do. Obviously, you can be doing sort of enterprise type development. You can be doing cutting edge startup type stuff. You can be doing change the world type stuff. You can be doing not-for-profit stuff or reconnecting refugee families and, and that kind of thing. So the thing that's always exciting to me is all the possibilities that are open. But the thing that I really want to make a difference and would like to see change, and I think would be exciting is if it changed, is improving the diversity of people who work in IT. And that's because, well, it's an important thing to do. But why I think it's kind of exciting is that we currently have fairly homogenous set of people doing development. And I think if we improve the diversity, it's just going to become much more interesting and much more exciting as we get different ideas from people with different backgrounds, different races, different genders, different sexual orientations, you know, different everything, different ways of thinking. And I think that could really spark off some really interesting applications we could be developing, different ways of approaching problems, different ways of working together. That's something that I really want to work to try and improve because I think it's going to be much more fun when we make progress in that area. Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential there, definitely. Uh, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. It's a difficult problem to fix. It is, absolutely, <laughs> but, yes. um, but it's it's kind of it's interesting too, reading about the challenges there, reading about what we can change to make things different and make things better for everyone. This is the thing that I'm really interested about in terms of diversity is that I believe that when you fix something for one set of people, you actually make it better for everybody. You do. Yes. I mean, as you pointed out earlier as well, um, you, everybody has the 
the ability and the opportunity potentially to make a difference themselves. Right, exactly. We're going to move into the reveal round now. Are you ready for this? Okay. (laughs) So what first attracted you to a career in IT? I like programming. I'm like a lot of people who who ended up in this field. We started programming at a quite young age, nine and ten. I just found it really interesting, the idea of typing something into a machine and it it more or less does what you ask it to. <laughs> right. And then you start with something small, a little Hello World application, and then you go, okay, what if I try this? Oh, what if I bolt this on? What if I try and do that? This real blend of logical and creative, which is just not something you get somewhere else. Yes. Uh, I really like that because every time you think you're going to get bored or every time you, you start to, something starts to get a bit stale, all you have to do is kind of look at it from a different angle or put a bit more stress on the creative side rather than the logical side or the other way around. It's never boring. No. So did you know what you wanted to do when you left school, for example? Not really. I mean, I so I liked programming when I was nine or 10. I kind of forgot about it in my teenage years. And I decided to study computer science at A-level, so 16 to 18. I did maths, physics, and computing. And I chose that on purpose because the advice I was given was that if you want to do computer science at university, you shouldn't do it at A-level because you'll be covering the same ground. So I chose to do it at A-level because I wanted to do astrophysics. I wanted to go to Mars. I wanted to be part of NASA. I read a lot of science fiction, so this was kind (laughs) of, you know, I'm your classic geek. And during the course of my A-levels, I found that physics is just lots and lots of maths. And I like maths, but I just found it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't science fiction. (laughs) It was just lots of different types of maths. And what I liked about computing was that you put the maths into the computer and then it does it for you. So um, I really like the fact that you get the computer to kind of do the the routine stuff and then you're thinking about, well, how is the user going to use it? What can I do here? How can I change this? For me, I found myself thinking much more about the thing I was creating and the use of that thing rather than I found the physics and the math stuff very abstract. I'm like, what is this going to be used for? And the computing thing felt much more concrete. So I changed my mind and I decided to do um, computer science at, at, um, at university instead. That's where I learned Java. And then it was basically easy from there. (laughs) What is the best career advice you've ever received? I haven't had great career advice. I've had, like I was saying about the the story with, with Martin Fowler and Martin Thompson, I've had great mentors and sponsors who helped me go in the direction I was sort of going in. I didn't really have people telling me, you know, useful snippets of, you know, this is valuable to you. I just kind of had people who were, who were helping me to discover what I, what I really enjoyed. If you were to begin your IT career again right now, what would you do? I think I'd be doing machine learning. Yeah. Because I studied computer science and artificial intelligence at university. I studied the two. And I chose that on purpose because I liked the computer science, but again, I was a big sci-fi geek and I was really interested in the AI side of stuff. Right. And so I I liked that. I liked the neural network stuff and the machine learning stuff. The computer vision stuff was, again, turned out to be just maths. And I was kind of surprised about that. But at the time, so this is, I graduated in 2001. It was really a case of, well, there's a possibility for some data mining stuff with these skills, but really we're just a long way off from AI. And then suddenly, what, maybe like 
five years ago, suddenly everyone's talking about it. And it's something that is accessible to many developers. It's not accessible to everybody. It's not super easy for everyone to learn, but it's something that real everyday developers are doing rather than it being advanced research at Cambridge University. So what career objectives are you currently focusing on? That is an excellent question and one we should be asking ourselves at least once a year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, it's interesting, actually, because I've been doing developer advocacy for about five years now. Um, so it's kind of, I'm definitely coming to that point where I'm like, okay, I think I've achieved a lot of the goals I had with this transition. So what's next? Because otherwise you end up not stuck in a rut, but you can end up drifting if you don't ask yourself this question. And so the, the the possibilities I have are I could end up trying to do something a bit more strategic, maybe more leading other developer advocates, for example. I could be thinking about how we apply advocacy at the moment. It's just basically like very deadline driven. What's next? What's next? And I, I, I could be thinking a bit more, like I say, strategically, or I could be focusing more specifically on, on one area. For example, there's an area I haven't really covered that much yet yet in this part of my profession in terms of deployment to the cloud and Docker and some of the DevOps stuff. I could focus a bit more on that area since I, I have a weakness in that area at the moment. So that's kind of what's on my mind at the moment. But it comes back to the thing I, I just mentioned a bit earlier. I really want to make a difference to everyday developers. I was an everyday developer for like 20 years, just kind of thinking, okay, what are, what am I doing? What value do I add? How do I steer my career? All these sorts of things that most people are thinking. And what I want to do with my advocacy is really reach developers and sort of show them what they could be doing better in terms of the, the coding side of stuff if they want, or what they could be doing better in terms of their career stuff, which is why I do a lot of stuff with user groups, which is why I present a career advice for programmers at a couple of conferences, which is why I talk about how to change processes inside your team because it's, it's more than just writing code. It's like, how can you effect change and be more useful and more fulfilled? And that's kind of where I want to go next. It's a bit fluffy, but <laughs> I, I would like my advocacy to focus on helping other people get better at what they want to do. And what's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far? I'm going to say writing because... Starting my blog is kind of what started me on this path of advocacy. But before then, I was one of those people who actually documented stuff inside the company. I would take a piece of code that I found difficult. I would work out how it worked. I would use it. And then I would write stuff down for other people to learn off. And I found that insanely satisfying. And I found that it was incredibly useful for the productivity of the team as well they wouldn't have to go through the same process of, of a painful process of learning. So for me, the ability to write, the ability to take technical ideas and write them down in a, in a useful, readable way has probably been the, the best skill that, I, that I've got that isn't coding. Tricia, can you maybe share a parting piece of career advice with the IT career Energizer audience? When you're looking at your career as a developer, I know, especially when you're starting out on this career path, you're going to be stressed out about how much stuff there is to learn, about the broad variety of technical skills, about the rate of change, about how much you don't know. And that's very overwhelming. But don't be overwhelmed, she said, making it sound easy. 
it's always going to be like that. Even the most experienced people you ever meet, they don't know everything. They don't even know everything about the thing that they know about. What happens as you get more senior is you become much more accustomed to the fact that there's just a lot of stuff you don't know. You get used to the fact that you're just going to have to learn stuff on the job. And you get used to the fact that there are just areas that you are are weak on. Maybe you're not that interested in learning, so that's kind of fine. So don't panic about the fact that, that there's a wide range of things to learn, that things are changing so fast. You are never going to know everything, and that's fine. It's not a problem. Yep. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect with you? Probably Twitter. So you can get me on on Twitter, Trisha underscore G. Um, And I also, a lot of my blogging these days is actually on the IntelliJ Idea blog. So um, that's uh, jetbrains.com slash idea. Trisha, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find a show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward, and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.